MFs, episode 66 of Hustle Like You Broke. Matthew Walt here with my usual cast of characters. Down one, unfortunately, original tag team member Kyle Hamilton is not with us today. But I do have my brother Banks in the house. Pleasure to see your face today, brother Banks. It's good to be seen and heard. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. I love it. I love it. And my sister Dallas from the Venetian Aquatic Club in the house. What's up, Dallas? What is up? It is a beautiful day for a swim. That's what's up. Mm. You will never live down the Venetian Aquatic Club, Dallas. You need to embrace (laughs) it. Love it. It is like the greatest thing. It runs through my veins. It's a beautiful thing. It's part of what makes you the spectacular human that you are. Thank you. you We love you, Sister Dallas. It's all about So jumping on the bus today, we've got an exciting one today. We actually have an insurance expert who's going to give us more information than we've ever had in terms of when we are actually getting back to work, what the implications are. He's got the date. He's got the all of it right down to the second. I am setting him up, and that is probably not true. The crystal ball. But before yeah. we get to that, before we get to that, as always, we like to run headlines, talk about signs of life in the good news department. AG has announced their furloughed employees will be coming back starting April one. Their goal is to have all affected staffers return to work no later than October 1st. Mind you, that's still not an overnight process. October 1st, says CEO Dan Beckerman, during the the next six months, as our business ramps up, we will begin bringing back all... Can't even read today. What the fuck am I doing here? Um, (laughs) Let me try that again. Fuck. During the next six months, as our business ramps up, we will begin bringing all of you back full time at full salary. Wasn't even a tough sentence. This news was first reported by Billboard magazine. It's a great sign of life. Six months, October 1st. I think that pretty much puts the nail in the coffin on Coachella, of course. Banks has has. Brother Hamilton giving you your hundred dollars yet? No, 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 no. He's he's still over there treading water talking about it's not official, official, but everybody is reporting that it's not gonna happen. Even the Got article it. with the AG talking about that it's not gonna happen. I think we need to start charging interest because Definitely. It's, uh, we get some terms sure. going on. Definitely get some terms. At least terms. an alcohol or something, you know. <laughs> I mean he uh, forty two a- bottle of forty two. See, that's what I was thinking. I, I was right there with you. I was like, a nice bottle of forty two will mm-hmm. solve all problems. Yep. All bets are square. That and a dinner. I think that oh, he's yeah, taking us too. out. Yeah. Showing us the town. Yeah. He's meeting us with a signed Bottle. Yes, yes. You know, the engraved, yes. The engraved, the engraved bottles. Yeah, the laser etched. Yes, yep. yes, exactly. Dallas. Exactly. <laughs> That's that. going to happen. That's going to happen, yeah. Brother yeah. Hamilton. When you listen back, you heard it first. This is happening. <laughs> so, all that said, of course, we like to talk about the festival watch. And I got to be honest, I'm not hearing much of anything from the European festival market this past week. We're hearing about test 
shows in the Netherlands. They did 1,200 people. The government apparently has the data on cases that may have come out of it. The good news is of the 35 backstage workers, all of them wore masks. Not one of them tested positive five days after the event. Hopefully that remains the case. We have not heard on any of the attendees. I know that data is, of course, critical to our return to work. Similarly, in Spain, they're talking about testing a couple of 5,000 capacity uh, events. They're going into an 18,000 cap stadium or arena. They're putting 5,000 people in three zones. We'll wait and hear the results on that. All of this hopefully should inform our process. If it's me, maybe our expert today, Brent, will be able to tell us. But if it's me, I'm thinking that does not give us the data we need in time for this summer. What do you got, Dallas? What were you going to say? No, I just noticed that the NBA or the Miami Heat are definitely letting people come in. They're creating like vaccine pods as well as other pods, which I think is an interesting. This may be typical in many of our venues moving forward. It may, but we're also seeing other signs across sports and across government that 10, 20 percent capacity, you know, and up is being permissible in sports. We know, of course, that where television is the driver and sponsorship is the driver of revenue, all of those activities come back faster than we do. Just is what it is. Last point on the EU festival market, of course, it's worth noting there is ample talk of a quote unquote third wave. That, of course, is going to slow things down. We hope we're far enough ahead of the curve here in the U.S. with 25% of the U.S. population now having had their first shot, supposedly. Um, I don't have the actual data. This is what I'm reading. But we hope that's true. We hope that helps us get back to work. I'm still not convinced that we're going to have a healthy summer. But staying in the U.S., the Imagine Music Festival in Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia announced their lineup the other day. Now this is an it's an EDM festival. Say it again, Dal. Say Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. You know it's going to be a good time in Chattahoochee. Am I right? Chattahoochee River. Here's the interesting thing, though. Continuing another trend, perhaps it's a sign. Is it a coincidence? Their dates are September 17 to 19. If that sounds familiar to anybody, that's because Life is Beautiful is happening in, Ve- mm. in Vegas, September 17 to 19, as is J Balvin's Latin Festival, the Neon Experience, mm. happening September 17 to 19. Why is it all the major music festivals that we've heard about so far are September 17 to 19? I'm just saying, huh. could be a coincidence. Now, Speaking of festivals that we've heard nothing about, though, Dallas, what can you tell us about Rolling Loud? Uh Uh-oh. Not hearing much. Not hearing much. Coming up quick. I know, but I don't see it being advertised. Six weeks away. Don't hear much. I think that's going to the fall. On the other hand, there are those who would say Lollapalooza has a pulse for happening in person in Chicago in August on schedule. Do you believe that, Brother Banks? I believe that's an option. It's definitely an option. It's it's feasible. It's a festival. It's outdoors. It's not in an arena. I think well, it's uh, it can happen. I, I like the, the way you're speaking. And, and, and since you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you, my friend. Oh, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not sure about all that. 
but I am happy to hear the talk again. I, it signs of life, all good news. If Lala happens in Chicago, I'm getting my ass there. That's all I got to say. Now, two other things that we should address real quick that I'd like to bring out today. When we talk about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, we've talked a lot about the importance of redeveloping muscle memory and getting our road legs back under us. Uh Quick anecdote. Uh I had Uh a walkthrough in a stadium yesterday, new stadium being built baseball. uh, And I got to say, after an hour of walking around that stadium, I was fucking spent. (laughs) (laughs) You better get to work. I'm sorry. I just got to say, get those running shoes on. I, I am not in shape. There is that is need to abundantly do about that. clear. But yeah. I am not out of shape. I am just not ready to get back to work so quickly and be running those twenty-eight hour days. Mm. You know, all over the arena. I mean, sleeping in the coffin on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Uh, that said. I do want to say one other thing. We talk about standards and practices. We talk about mental health issues and we talk about the need to come back. Of course, doing better business, stronger, taking care of the crew. That's what we are. That's who we represent. I want to give a shout out to our friend, Zach Borer and Chaim Newman. They published what they're calling the white paper the other day, the white paper it's available at borernewman.com. I'll spell that B-O-R-E-R-N-E-W-M-A-N.com. It is the most comprehensive and well thought out perspective on mental health in the music industry. It and and as we know, it's an underappreciated factor in touring pre-pandemic that's that's become magnified since so we're going to see how that change is going fact forward in their words it outlines the beginnings of the blueprint for a healthier industry including its theoretical framework delivery of clinical services research programming education and training so i want to give it up to them i really hope that what they're talking about is enacted by more and more tours i know that course that will take embracing the standards and practices we talk about we're going to talk to our guest today about that as an insurance expert he might know a little something about standards and practices and the importance of doing good business so let's jump right in brent doherty leads the entertainment practice group at anderson benson insurance and risk management In this role, he works with clients across multiple genres, ranging from baby acts to superstars, providing strategic counsel and tailored coverage solutions to protect artists and their interests. During his tenure, Darty and team developed a music and social influencer program and were named Lloyd's Cover Holders. So welcome to the program, Brent. Thank you for being with us today. How you doing? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Well, as I said at the top, I mean, you're you're like the foremost expert as far as we're concerned. You're <laughs> yes. going to tell us the day and time that we're back to work. So yeah, why don't we just jump right in? And, and what is it? I mean, don't hold out on us. Let's go. Yeah, that seems to be a uh, moving target. I think if the agents have to reroute another tour, they're probably going to scream. So uh, it's interesting. I don't know. Um 
you know, I, on multiple calls with big tours, you're seeing some holding out for, for June dates. Uh, you know, I've had some move to September, some move to October. Who knows? Okay, not what we were looking for. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. I did not help. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. God bless. Good night. Yeah. God bless. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Well, at least he didn't say 22. We saw the announcement that Chastney uh, was moving his door to 22. I mean, that's like a moving festival, 50, 60,000 yeah, right. people and a lot of markets. And those are those signs that, of course, scare the crap out of some of us. But, uh, but hey, I did hear a June. I'll take that. I'll take that. I will that. too. And it's a it's a it's a major tour. So um it'll be interesting to see how it works. And yeah, you know, I think the agents are being strategic in the rallying. Uh obviously going to places that are more open for business. Um looking for you know like one of you said, uh outdoor venues uh rather than indoor. And so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, another big festival out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, happens the last week of uh, July, which is uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days. And um, I can't, um, uh, I mean, some of the, the, the headliners are announced for that tour, but um, probably some of the biggest um, in the country genre, uh, actually the biggest, um, is opening the show. So, you know, I, I think the, the, that we're seeing that artists want to get back out and want to perform because for Cheyenne Frontier Days to come out with who they're going to come out with is just tremendous. And, you know, all signs are that it'll go on. You know, I talked to Bob Romeo, who's the promoter of that at Romeo Productions, uh, been in business a very long time. And Tom, who runs the festival on the ground out there and, uh, look, Cheyenne's open. They're ready to, um, to have this. So I think for me, that might be the first one to potentially go. Okay. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I guess we'll let you stay. Let's jump right in. Proceed. I, I do have to ask, and this is by no means the focus of today's conversation, but what is a music and social influencer program? So, uh, yeah, so music, it's kind of two part, but, but it's a professional insurance coverage that basically covers you for what you say, uh, and or infringement on any part. So on the artist songwriter side, you know, most of the time that is a, um, you know, alleged copyright infringement, um, um, and then on the influencer side that can do, um, you know, regulatory fines and whatnot uh, for promoting products that um, you don't disclose that you're getting paid for and or not doing your job and not promoting it and or uh, talking shit on people that uh, sue you for libel, slander, defamation for character. And what's interesting with both of those is, is, is you know, I mean, insurance is so antiquated anyway. And there was policies out there. There's never been really a social influencer policy because it's new and insurance just doesn't move that fast. So you know, it was, it was our task to try to figure out a way that we could bring these up to current times and take in everything that's going on. I mean, like, you know, I mean, people are podcasting, people are social influencing, people are YouTubing. I mean, I've got these kids living out in $20 million Bel Air mansions in LA 
you know, um, um, with nine creators creating content all day long. And, and, and there's just not a product that ever covers them. So, um, we kind of set on that path to do it. Uh, maybe four or five years ago, um, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, who, uh, Ben Vaughn, who's the president of Warner Chapel Nashville. And he said, he's sitting around and saying, we're just sick of seeing our friends get screwed in these infringement claims. It costs tremendous amounts of money to defend. And, and what can we do? How can we better serve them? What product can we put together? So um, a lot of uh, research and development, a lot of trips to London, talking to underwriters on the ground there at Lloyd's, and, and we put together something pretty cool. So, Okay. Okay. I like that. So let's get back on track then and yeah. let's talk about, you know, the touring industry. You, you talk about underwriters. You just referred to the underwriter market a moment ago. Let's back up to the beginning. And if you could start by explaining how the event underwriting market traditionally works in terms of who's taking the risk and providing the policies. Yeah. So uh, I am a broker, so I'm a middleman. And, uh, you know, on that segue, you said for the music and social influencer aspect, uh, we're cover holders. So in that case, we act on the carrier's behalf. But on most other ways, we are just a broker with a middleman. We place that risk with somebody else. So we're not taking it on, on that risk personally. We're offloading it. Uh, most of that risk ultimately goes back to in some sort to London, Lloyd's of London, and is either reinsured through Lloyd's. So say that we place a risk through a standard entertainment carrier in the U.S., at some point they'll be reinsured by reinsurers in London. So, um, yeah, so the risk comes to me and say it's a festival and it'll go through um, all types of, of information and then we go back to underwriters and say look this is what we've got and these are all the components that it consists of and this is what we're needing to get in place by this time okay and we're going to get back to lloyd's in a minute and talk about some of their subsidiaries and the, the companies that they apparently work with, as I understand, in terms of spreading out the risk and what have you. But, but first, you know, we've heard that there are over 200 cases that have been lit litigated by companies trying to cash in on losses from COVID in this past year. About 80% of which have gone in favor of the insurer. Yeah. So why is that? Um, because juries and courts hate insurance. I mean, look, I hate insurance. We all do. I mean, it's the, it's the necessary evil. Like, we never want... That's part of my is job. Like, hey, well, is it right, though? Is it though? We spent well, a lot of money we, for nothing. <laughs> unless we're all wealthy enough to, um, um, to reinsure ourselves, um, um, then we have to have it. You know, I mean, there's there's legalities that say, hey, we have to have auto insurance and whatnot. So, but but almost all the time, it will go against the insurance industry, and because we we've, we've created this this thought or, or perception that you know, we don't want to pay claims, and or it's difficult to get a claim paid. And so when you throw something in like COVID, 
I mean, it's a, it's, it's a shit show. I mean, you know, half of my business too is, you know, ensuring the contractual guarantees that these artists are getting from the promoter. So AEG Live Nation, ensuring that 10, 25, $100 million um, guarantee to perform 75 shows over 12 months or yada, yada, yada. So, you know, I mean, I'm still, actually I have my last show uh, um, tour that went down. I got my uh, offer from Lloyd's this morning at 4 a.m. my time, and that will be the last uh, cancellation claim um, that I have. So I, I am uh, needing one of those 42 Julio bottles as well and great and um, ready to take. And is that but from it, 2019 or 2020, you mean? Uh, that is from 2020. Yeah. Um, so exactly, it will be uh, in a week, uh, about 12, uh, in a week, 12 months uh, since that one got triggered. It got triggered around April 11th. So, and then, you know, I mean, look, my job, too, is to manipulate these policies and find ways for clients to get paid. You know I mean? I always say insurance carriers want us to work for them, which we do. We're partners with them. But at the same time, you know, I work for the person who pays me, which is the client. And um, um, so we've had some interesting cases because some of the policy language and the cancellation and contingency part is um, was kind of what comes first, the chicken of the egg. Did the pandemic happen? And then the artist got COVID because there was coverage in there if the, if the artist got ill. So the, the basic contingency or cancellation policy covers death, accident, illness, unavoidable travel delay. Uh, and, and so illness is a covered peril. But did the pandemic happen and or did he get COVID? So he and I got COVID at the same time. Uh, while in London, so um, I, but there was there was some time there, uh, but but you know we presented a great case to the insurers and um, they bought our bullshit, I guess. So what you're <laughs> saying, just to be clear, is that basically of the twenty percent of cases that were not just outright dismissed, Lloyd's effectively. Set, offered you a settlement. I mean, yeah. that's you're talking about. You did these cases settled. Exactly. I mean, that's what you try to do. Look, you put insurance in place for a reason. Now, if you could have said that this was going to happen to us, um, um, I mean, we all might not be on this call. We might have invested in a company to to <laughs> to insure these risks. Well, then, or we might be bankrupt if we insured all these risks. Um, and, and, but a lot of these cases are coming from um, actually not the cancellation or contingency part, but actually a business interruption part. Uh, so most commercial policies have business interruption. But in order to trigger business interruption, there has to be a covered peril that is triggered. So something the policy covers that is triggered and this didn't trigger an event to pay out um, a business interruption claim. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there 
not uh, policies out there to, to, to pick up this. Um, and now there's, you know, all the insurers have been very um, diligent in, in rewriting all the forms to exclude it 100%. Um, and you can't you can't even buy any communicable disease coverage at the at the moment. But you just said something interesting, and I want to put that in terms that you know those of us who haven't been on the road for a year or don't really think about you know tour insurance or cancellation insurance can can understand. So what you said is that it's not the cancellation insurance that triggered but something else that caused a disruption in work, which caused you know, the insurance company to say, okay, maybe we do have some culpability here. Let's talk about settlement. And, and a similar thing happened to me not long ago, um, not similar to COVID or cancellation insurance, but my homeowner's policy, my basement flooded. And I don't have flood insurance because I don't live in a floodplain and there was no reason to get flood insurance. So the insurance company wasn't going to pay on flood, but the flooding was caused by a mechanical failure because my sump pump didn't trigger. And I did have an exception for mechanical failure in my policy, which allowed me to collect. So my question then is, aside from pandemic insurance or COVID insurance and cancellation insurance, are there other types of insurance coverages that are now being created and or recommended to artists and promoters to protect themselves moving forward? Yeah, I mean, so in the communicable disease part and COVID specific, you know, there's just not anything out there. I mean, anywhere. Um, you know, Bermuda has a big insurance market. Uh, obviously, Lloyd's is one of the oldest and most well-known. Um, and, and, you know, to cover that, there's just, there's, there's nothing out there to, to cover a cancellation of event uh, due to that. But yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, that's, there's nuances in policy. So, so let's take it into, so there's contingency policy, which is a cancellation or non-appearance of an artist. So a cancellation or event's not appearance artist. Okay. And then you've got a touring package. Or let's just say your homeowner package. So um, um, if you have uh, your home insured um, and you work from your home and due to that flood, you are unable to do your work uh, because your home flooded and that was a covered peril, then your business interruption would have would have went. And typically there's like a 24 to 72 hour window that you have to be down in order for it to, to do. But um, you know, because COVID is not a covered peril, it didn't trigger that part. But I think you also get in some very gray area. And again, with insurance companies having a target on their back, um, I mean, I wish everybody got paid. But you know, I heard a stat not long ago, if the insurance comp- industry paid out, it would bankrupt every insurance carrier. So, you know, I mean, it, it's, 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 uh, it's important to know your policies. It's important to, you know, to speak. It's such a shitty topic that you have to just make it very simple. And it, it shouldn't be hard. Um, 
But um, anyways, so yeah, I mean, uh, right now you can insure um, for what is out there. Um, same with cancellation, weather cancellation. If there's ever a named storm, um, then you can't get coverage um, if you don't buy co- uh, cover 10 days prior to the event. Uh, same. So there's a named virus out there. And um, I think there'll be people jumping the market and you know trying to get rich and price the hell out of it and give some quasi coverage for, you know, future diseases. And, um, but I don't foresee it's going to be a big player. So I had a, I had a, Brent, I had a quick question about the claims that are actually being made. Are these for tours that have completely said we're canceled or are these tours that have say that we're going to postpone these dates and, we're going to move these tours to 2022 or 20, you know, late 2021. I'm trying to understand how do yeah. you make a claim on a tour that's saying, Hey, I'm going to come back at these dates and what's actually being claimed. Is it, is it costs that have been endured for production on the pre-production side? What, what's actually yeah, been the claims? So um, I love it. I mean, from an insurance black and white situation, I rather than say we're going to cancel the tour and then reschedule it and do it later. Because uh, when you postpone and you move, so I've had several um, uh, tours and uh, award shows that have pushed back their time and whatnot. So we're going to postpone and they tried for this day and, and they had to postpone again, tried for another day. And um, the policy picks up, you know, additional expenses because you're essentially trying to mitigate that event from being totally canceled, you know, I mean, a complete payout. So, yes, is there times that you can um, postpone um, and or you can do, you can postpone and or cancel. But I think the easiest thing to think about um, is do a round number and say, um, I just, I did one recently, uh, $100 million uh, guaranteed from a promoter, AV Live Nation. And so it's a gear artist guarantee. Um, and they have to insure that money. Okay. Because if they don't perform, mm-hmm. then they have to pay the money back and some get it in form of advance. Some get it, um, you know, production advance, uh, to cover the tour production and then are paid out per show. Uh, so, if that hundred, let's say, say it's a total cancellation, then we're going to pay the net ascertained loss. So, like, actually, what you're out due to the tour not going forward, um, if that makes sense. But you know, in a more clear way, you know, say that the artist got ill and could not perform any of those dates. Period. In the sentence. Then he's going to have a anywhere from a one to ten show deductible. Um, each show is is that hundred million is divided into uh, each show, and so after ten shows or whatever that deductible they choose, um, it would come in and pay, or or they got disabled, and or they got um, um, any of those triggers, um, it's going to pay in full in that event. The, the, the hardest ones to, to, to settle is things that get moved and postponed 
um, because the claim just continues on. It's, it's a very brutal and painful process, to be honest. So let's talk about that specifically, and let's talk about that in relation to Live Nation for a second. And this may be a bit of a loaded, you know, question for yeah. you. I, I, I'd imagine you already said you have certainly deal with Live Nation quite a bit, but Live Nation, as we understand, has a number of pending litigation. Um, they sued their insurance companies over COVID losses, as so many have, and. I'm curious, you know, what the process is towards resolution there and whether that impact actually impacts when they're ready to get back to business as usual, whether those claims need to be settled in their entirety, whether they're going to ramp up on new insurance or defer that to artists in order to be getting back to work or both, because I'd imagine in some respect they want resolution before we are back in business. They do, but uh, they're definitely not. It's not hinging on that. You know, I mean, anybody just wants. I mean, they want to go and make money. You know, I mean, these these big promoters are machines, and they've got to make money. You know, in order to operate. And I mean, we all do. You know, I mean, talking about kicking the nuts. I mean, you look at my business as a whole. I work with artists and production companies and promoters and bus entertainer bus carriers and yeah you know, I mean we've just been nailed this year and it's unfortunate but no uh, you know these claims sometimes can go on forever especially when there's huge money involved um, you know litigation it could be years before they're actually settled and and you know it, it, it will be interesting to see you know how some of those shake out and and how it will be um, Cited. Again, I mean, I don't think that anybody, you know, in a caliber of, of, you know, the big promoters, I don't think anybody was trying to not buy proper insurance. And the problem is that insurance just didn't exist. Um, and, you know, and I think, I think there's, there are some small little gray places within the policy that, People much smarter than me, um, attorneys have, have found a little place and they're like, look, let's do it. And because the flip side, too, this is most of the time when you get a settlement from an insurance company that for a non covered claim is that it's going to cost them more to defend it, to defend themselves, than to, than to actually come to a, some type of agreement. So at the end of the day, they look at all those and they say, look, Fuck it. Let's just take our loss. We don't, and they'll never agree that the claim was covered. They'll, they'll sign that we're not saying the claim's covered, but we're going to give you X amount of dollars for this to go away. Okay, so let's talk about the role of government then, and so, and specifically, what can you tell us about the Liability Indemnity Act, and what is its status? So, um, current status, I am uncertain of. Um, I think it's something that um, that many states have already. So, so if you if you liability indemnity is essentially setting the industry up for failure, uh, or, or any industry in that in that right, um, it says that. As an employer, if 
somebody comes to work and you do everything you're supposed to do, the employee can still sue you for um, um, COVID illness, yada, yada, yada. So um, there's been a lot of states that have passed. So what that sets it up is like, we don't want to go back to work because we're afraid of some class action lawsuit or whatnot. And I think people are being very careful right now of, of states going into certain states that have not already passed that language. I mean, I know for a, um, you know, a, a, a large scale tour in general or a large scale tour that was going out and um, they were going to do four or five um, stadium shows, like huge stadium shows. And, and they, they ended up calling it off because they felt like it could set them up for a class action lawsuit. You know, if X number of people came to that stadium tour, um, and, and several of them were in California is one state that, that has not passed that. Um, and so they felt like it was going to set them up for a potential class action lawsuit. And it's just, you know, not worth it to, to this individual. So it's an interesting thing. Michael Strickland with Bandit Lights, we all have known him forever. I mean, he's a crusader for the music industry. You know, it's, it's, it's wild that if you look at what our industry, you know, money-wise represents, that we don't have a single body of lobbying group. And, and you know, I, I said it before, I said a lot, is you know, when I talk to Michael, about this, and he's in Washington all the time. I mean, I think I got a, he's there um, Monday, this Tuesday, week. Wednesday, this week. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, the perception is that we all work for a bunch of rich people that should take care of us. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? You're like, right. I mean, I mean it, 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 it's just, I mean, it also kind of sheds light on like how um, disattached from society these assholes are i mean like, you know, i mean yes. it's just it, it's well said like, yeah i mean it's just it's amazing to me and from those comments you can you look at other parts of, of laws and stuff that are passed that might affect our lives in some ways and you're like that they just don't get it you know i mean oh yeah or they go to washington and just lose their fucking mind one of the two well, they, they, that, there's definitely truth in that. That there's also truth in the notion that those of us in the music space are also disconnected from the rest of society, at least in terms of perception and the way we move, and the way we function, and the way we organize. So there's definitely needs to be a meeting of the mind. We've had Michael on the program. We certainly agree that there needs to be more and better representation in Washington. We appreciate Michael's efforts, certainly yeah. Neva's efforts. Certainly NAM is trying to organize, uh, you know, a lobbying component. And there's there's a growing push for, for sure. you know, better understanding and better lobbying, uh, you know, at the governmental level moving forward. So we appreciate you calling attention to that. Yeah, it's, um, it's wild. I don't know. You, you know, I mean, I'll say another stab, just a quick snippet is, uh, there was a lot of money passed for um, hospitality 
and charter bus companies that move people. Um, but you know what? They left out the entertainer coach segment. Mm, and it's like, I mean, these people are sitting there with, you know, a hundred buses that are a million plus dollars that aren't moving. And, you know, I mean, look, there's not a lot of them out there. I'm sure most of them. And these guys are just dying. And mm-hmm. look, it was a kiss of death for them. Uh, you know, all of them had leases on, you know, on, on these buses, like for, for multi years. But, you know, at the time, if they said, if they held those artists to those leases, I mean, it's the kiss of death. The business right. management, the management be like, screw you. We're not, we're not using your company anymore. So they had to let them out and they just painfully sat there. Um, so it's just, it, it's sad. I, yeah. Hopefully, you know, I mean, the silver lining is that we do find some united, um, um, place that we all come together and, and, and we're better understood, you know, in society and in Washington. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. It's 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 kind of hard when you're making one hundred seventy four thousand dollars as a starting salary, and you're supposed to identify with the American people. It's a little rough. So, switching gears slightly, we talk about what's happening with the Tokyo Olympics here on the program quite a lot, and on again, off again, on again. No international uh, spectators. Sounds like reduced capacity. Some national spectators. I'm curious if there are any insurance implications to that. And I also saw something, and I, you might have been the one who said this, that basically, and you, this is what you referred to with Lloyd's London in the beginning, there are basically eight companies that are essentially the subsidiaries of Lloyd's yeah. of London. And they're all in some form or fashion attached to the Tokyo Olympics. And if the Tokyo Olympics didn't play and Lloyd's of London were sued, if they were to lose in a lawsuit, four of those, at least four of those subsidiary companies would go away. They would cease to exist. So what can you tell us about that? And, And basically, what, if any, lessons are there to be learned about insurance coverage and and cancellation of that nature. Yeah, so I mean, it's my understanding that um, you know the, the Tokyo Olympics and the Olympic Committee they purchased cancellation insurance. Um, I do not work with them, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm speaking hypothetical. But uh, you know, they say they purchased um, cancellation coverage, which I think it's it's all out that they they did. Um, so it's very much in play. And if it goes down, it would be the single largest claim that London has ever had. And I think it, it would surpass even 9-11 uh, in terms of what, what comes to there. So, I mean, just huge, huge numbers. Uh, so if you think that, um, I would say there, there, there's some pretty big lobbying on the insurance uh, side for that event to at least go on in some capacity. Obviously, when you have, um, when you have, you know, if, when you don't have spectators, uh, then you don't have vendors, you don't, you're not making ancillary money. Uh, so, I mean, there's still going to be a big loss regardless if they, if they go on. Uh, but, but, uh, end of the day, 
that would be a covered claim. So it actually wouldn't go into a lawsuit. It, I mean, it would be if they bought the proper coverage, which, again, it looks like, you know, reading all the articles they did, um, then it would be a covered claim. And, and to go back to, so Lloyd's of London is this, is this building, and they call it the Inside Out Building. Uh, it's kind of a cool, it's a, a cool picture you haven't seen, a cool building you've been there, but um, all the plumbing, all the elevators, everything are on the outside of the building. And they do that because there's there's floors, and each, um, each underwriter sets in a box, and a broker goes up in queues, so stands in line behind maybe 10 other brokers, and they have their whole briefcase, and they're there broking that risk. They're trying to convince that underwriter for X amount of dollars you should take on X amount of percent of this risk. So when I say um, entertainment at Lloyd's, I think makes up less than two percent because they're doing, you know, they're insuring the um, uh, the World Trade Center, and they're insuring ships and cargo and just all these other things. So. They always say that they really love to hate entertainment because entertainment the, is the first thing that puts them in the headlines as being a bunch of assholes. You know, it's like Kanye West sues Lloyds of London for not paying, <laughs> you know, uh, due to mental illness exclusion. And like all these things, the first thing that puts them in international headlines and, and all they really want to do is pay a claim. I mean, look, I, I got... Uh, a lot of money this morning and an offer just as a goodwill gesture, like on top of this, on top of the component. So they do want to pay. But so to go back, the building was designed where you could see your underwriter in these boxes. So that's why everything's on the outside. And you'd see who's in their boxes. You'd go and you queue and you try to sell them that risk. So in the entertainment, yeah, there's, you know, 10 syndicates maybe. They're called syndicates, which are um, underwriters for specific carriers, companies. And so basically what they do, there's a there's a lead syndicate. So um, I'm going to just say um, Swiss Re. They're a big ins- insurer. Uh, so Swiss Re would say, I'm going to take 33% of this risk or 30% of this risk. And we're going to be the lead syndicate. So Basically, we're going to make all the rules up, and then all the other syndicates that they already have deals with will take other pieces. Uh, but on you know on big risk, you know you start talking about a hundred million dollars or more insured. It's it, I mean you get down to people like the nitty gritty like I'm trying to work to get the last three percent of this of this hundred million represented by an insurer. So, you know, the back page of an insurance uh, document, you'll see syndicates and you'll see each, you'll see the lead and you'll see each percentage they, they pay them. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, Lloyd's just started out of a coffee shop on Lloyd Street um, and um, um, and they were basically started uh, with cargo uh, shipping and people are kind of taking bets, you know, like uh, okay, I'll put a thousand dollars to the ship on sink, and I'll put a thousand dollars to the ship on sink. Like, and 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 they were 
putting all pooling their money together. Um, and uh, that's how it all began. And it, it's, it's really cool. I mean, you go in there today and I can still turn to the page uh, of the Titanic waltz and it's handwritten. Each big waltz, they ring a bell and they still with a, with a feather quill pen write in this huge diary uh, what the loss was, where it occurred, and how it occurred. So pretty fascinating. It's like where the sausage is made. <laughs> you know, so. Very interesting. Wow. Very tradition. Interesting. Cool. It is. It's so tradition. I, see, I, it, as, a, as a music guy, I always get – it happens every time. I get ho I get screwed up because I mean I don't wear a coat and tie and you still so they just changed as of last year you don't have to wear a tie in in uh, in the building uh, but until then it, it, you had to wear dark suits ladies can't wear have um, crazy nail polish it has to do certain things ladies weren't allowed in Lloyd's building until. A handful of years ago, to be honest. So it's very traditional, and um, but pretty cool. All right, so let's switch gears. You referenced we referenced earlier this white paper by Zach Bohr and Chaim Newman. I'm not sure if you're familiar, um, but again, affecting mental health issues in the business. I'm curious if there are any insurance implications associated with the. Uh, the need for the concert industry to be establishing better standards and practices, not just in terms of safety standards from a production standpoint, but in terms of HR, human resources. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, you know, because the tours, I mean, they, they don't run wild. It's a well-oiled machine, but you also don't have a human resource department out there on the road with you either checking in to make sure. I mean, you have a, you have your artist manager, you have your day to day, you have your your team, but outside of that, you know, you don't have those people, you know, smacking your hands when you do or say something bad and or when you actually need help. You know, what I mean, so um, you know, the mental illness aspect is is I think probably from my from the insurance side, um, there's a lot of exclusions around mental illness when it comes to cancellation of events. And um, I think it's bullshit. You know, I think it goes with the old thing that nobody wants to talk about mental illness. But I think it's on the forefront. I've been working with a team of doctors for a couple of years, and um, they, they strategically work on the road with crews. Um, not the old traditional rock docs, but the people that give a shit and, and are looking at the holistic picture of well-being um, and, and trying to find a way as an insurance industry that we can, we can monetarily support the tours with proper check-ins with doctors. Because look, at what it does for us is it potentially help prevent a claim? You know, if you're taking care of your mind, body, and, and doing all the right things when you're out there on the road, the, the chances of you having a, or us having a loss is is you know your exposure goes down. But if you're out there, you know, partying and you're you're getting off offline and um, 
um, it's just not good. So, um, yeah, I hope, I think a lot of carers and carers have added in some coverage for mental illness recently. Um, I think it's a, a, a big thing, um, you know, that we got to talk about and do. All right, I'm going to take this a step further and I'm going to push you a little bit here. So I've actually written, as our listeners know, a standards and practices doc for the industry moving forward. It's been curated out of the conversations we've been having here on the podcast for this past year. And it's been circulated to a number of people. I get criticism. I get edits. It's, you know, I mean, I don't claim to be the expert by any means myself. But I know from having been a tour director that's taken major tours across the globe that if I'm the guy in charge or one of a handful of the people at the top, uh, you know, of, of, of this collection, and I have no official leadership training, crisis management training, um, you know, HR training, DEI training, anything of that nature, then all of our well wishes that we become a more diverse and equitable and safer environment. I mean, it's all well and good, but absent training those people that are supposed to be running the show, how do we enforce that? And one person I sent the the standards of practice to made a great comment. She said, I love what you're saying, but what's the business case? How do we prove the model? How do we, get people to say, you know what? It saves us money to do this. Yeah. What's the answer? I, I, you know what? I, I mean, I think eventually, and, and, and we might see it, I mean, very soon, that the insurance companies are going to force you to do it. That's you what know, I'm look, asking you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's the Event Safety Alliance. Um, I don't know that you're, if you're familiar with it. You know, yeah, they absolutely. Do a, they, Jim's yeah, a good they, friend of the program. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they do a great job in, in trying to educate people. But it's amazing the number of people that don't know about that. Um, so, you know, from uh, from our perspective, when we're setting up a touring policy, I mean, I've got our risk managers and loss control teams on the ground during tour rehearsals and walking through these things. Um, you know, and you know, there's other resources we have uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the terrorism, uh, active assailant training, all these things. And I think one of the most profound things of a, a very um, experienced um, uh, gentleman in the industry of security, specifically the entertainers and entertainment uh, itself, puts on a great class that, uh, I try to have most of my tours go through prior to, but he literally walks in. They have no idea what they're really doing there. He walks in the room and fires off like three blanks. And what does everybody do? They what? like hit. They hit the floor. They're like, "What the hell just happened?" And 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 um, it's and it's a <laughs> it's a class in trying to to. To create and say, like, you, you did exactly what everybody would do. So now, what do we do, um, you know, to minimize potential fatalities or injuries or whatnot when something like this happens? Um, so, 
I, look, there's a lot of training out there. I think it's up to us to, as an insurance uh, um, industry, to really push that. I do think the carriers themselves who are insuring these tours are going to be much more proactive and and dropping in. I mean, my my guys will drop in. I typically will go on the first two or three dates uh, of most of the major tours. Um, so I sleep in a coffin and, and go and, and watch. And, and then our risk management team will, um, either from the care side or our side, will drop in sporadically throughout. Uh, we have constant conversations with, um, you know, production, artist management, management um, about different things. You know, one of the biggest concerns when it first happened was the 360 stage and, you know, how to prevent, how to prevent, like what happens in that moment. And, um, you know, it's like I remember one of the first ones they thought they had figured out in the first three shows people penetrated and got to the artist uh, with that. And um, so it's really, I think us, like insurance has always been out there, like on a, because it, who wants to talk about it? You know, I mean, like nobody, you know, you see all these ads and it's like, fuck them. Like, I don't want to talk about that shit. And, and, but I think it's really like with us, we ingrain ourselves within the tour and within management and the teams and we become a part of it. If you look at it, I mean, like what, who do you want on your side when shit hits the fan? You want your team there? You want your lawyer there? You want your insurance guy there? And you need your banker there? You know, everybody's got a team. So we try to point ourselves in in a big way uh, on the front end with this and, and just help how we can. I want to know, um, if I can, what do you think about the vaccination situation? Do you think that's going to be um, something that might be required moving forward for you know, people that work in the industry? You know, it's tough because if you go back to insurance, like, are they concerned about, um, you know, the policies are riddled with exclusions with, with communications and, and COVID-19. So, you know, is there a concern from the insurance companies, um, Yes, but do they feel safeguarded by their policy forms that they have it so black and white that they're not covering anything uh, from a liability standpoint, you know, if an, if, if an occurrence were to happen? So um, I don't know how much insurance will get involved in the actual go back and, and COVID and how you need to do it in a safe way or whatnot. Um we definitely want to um, be a part in people doing this safe. And because uh, at the end of the day, if, if we all have a bunch of claims coming out of this, regardless if they're covered or not, we spend a lot of time and money, you know, just trying to defend and get out of them. So, um, I mean, insurance industry definitely has a, has a card um, in it, but, I don't know that it'll be the total voice to say you have to do it this way or that way. I mean, I think I think the promoters will be the ones that have to really. I mean, they're the ones that I feel like that are most vulnerable because you know um, the promoter carries insurance for every spectator 
that steps foot in there. It's not the artist. Yeah, the artist will be brought into it, but it's that promoter. So I think the promoters are the ones that really are on the line for all of this and have to figure out the safest way that we go back. So does it, you know, you've heard some promoters already talk about, um, you know, uh, having the, the COVID vaccination card and with your ticket, you know, all that could be uh, embedded. Um, the others that's talked about bracelets and all that technology is, is in there, your ticket, your COVID card. And um, so I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, let me, let me ask a similar question, COVID or otherwise, what are you seeing as, as our biggest challenge in the return to work? Um, <laughs> I think it, it I, I think it's, I think it's like, who goes first? I, I, you know, I mean, that's the problem. I think, I think somebody wants somebody else to go and, and stub their toe and then they learn from it and then they go out second. So, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's going to be, have to be, you know, somebody that just says, Fuck it. We're going out and we're going to tour. There's, I've heard some names of some very big acts that are, are willing to do that, too. So, um, um, you know, one maybe September. Um, so, I think they're being cautious. But <laughs> they're at the uh, end of the, uh, the year. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's uh, it's either... Who stubs their toe first or the comfort level gets to a point that people are, are ready for it. I mean, you know, you're seeing some shows go on, um, uh, smaller shows happen, and which is exciting. I want to have my bus companies call and uh, say that we've got eight buses going out for individual artists, smaller artists. Like, it's exciting to hear. Um, I we haven't knock on wood, you know, had or heard any turmoil uh, from it. You know, there were some early on shows that got a little bit blasted. But again, I think that they took that and it's kind of, you know, we just got to kind of change the conversation. People's got to get more okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a crapshoot, but I do think it's, it's, if, if somebody would go first and really screw up bad, the next one will be ready to roll. Okay. How, how much does the sporting industry play into that risk management and looking at the future, like NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, with them going and starting their season with fans and employees and staff and all that? How, how does that play into what we're looking at for the future? Yeah, you know, again, I think it's wild how – you know, you look at our industry and we're kind of scared to step, but then you've got a lot of the sport leagues that are like, we're going to go and we're going to do this. And I mean, look at the Super Bowl. I think it's a, a, a great, you know, I mean, yes, it was limited uh, numbers and everybody was uh, vaccinated. Um, but look, there's a safe way to do it regardless of what industry you're in. Um, I mean, I go back to my kids' school. I mean, you know, I drop my kids, kids kids off at school. They they come out. They temperature check us all. They ask us everybody in the car. They ask us six questions, and we went in. 
And, you know, to start the school year off, everybody had COVID. There were, I mean, they were, they were canceling school all the time. They were coming home. But then as this is evolved, they put in these practices that has really worked. I mean, you take just such a smaller, you know, something like a, a school that that has has is so clued in that they have done everything right. And I mean, they send case count every day, and it's it's great. And you know, they they've done it by pod. So I think I think we can learn from multiple places. You know, how this can happen and work, and we can all go back to work and feed our families. Well, Brent, you've been a great guest. We always do a series of quick hits before we go. I have just yeah. one more question before that. But before I do that, Dallas, anything else from you today? No, very informative, but not the Thanks. Minute. I had a question about when you were talking about coming out on the road. How often do you have to present, um, I guess, ultimatums <laughs> to the production regarding what they're doing in the production or how they're operating based on their coverage of insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say not often because most of that, again, if, if we're if we're a part of rehearse, tour rehearsals prior to, they're watching the setup, the, the setup, the take down, and um, it all works. So... I think typically the only time um, or, or one of several times that I've, I've gotten is personal safety, you know, and, um, you know, typically it's when an artist wants to go into the crowd um, and, and how they're doing it and, and what they're doing it. And, you know, so one, a pretty big tour uh, artist goes in the crowd and he goes in the center and he, stands and you know stands on a ladder and the tour manager kind of has you know his feet i'm like holy shit we can't do this like, <laughs> like let's figure out something better and um but uh, you know i don't know not too, not too often because they take so much um you know everybody is trying to do a good job um and everybody does a good job for the most part and but there's some tweaks that, 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 you know, risk managers will send to the team and discuss. And typically, I mean, it's changed pretty quickly. All right, Brent. Well, one more thing, I, as I said, before we do our quick hits, slightly off topic, you have referred to cyber yeah. as the next big thing in concert industry insurance. Yeah. Why is that? How do we redress it? Where does the liability fall? What can you tell us? Yeah, so I always say that, you know, Lloyd's many different countries, you know, come into Lloyd's, Lloyd's market. So when you're hearing things from Lloyd's of London, it's probably pretty certain that, you know, some aspect of it's going to happen. And so obviously we've got the Russian thing going on. Um, we've got many other things kind of happening out there uh, as a country. And so I, the cyber warfare, I mean, it's, it's not, 
it's happening. I mean, it's happening in many ways. It's happening from my clients being personally, you know, extorted to um, from hacking their devices, their computers, um, to, I mean, I would say that 75% of companies that I'm sure and tour companies have had some sort of cyber attack or cyber issue. And um, so the thought is that they're really going to target the entertainment industry and shut down certain grids, certain shows, because look, I mean, what better way to make an impact than to shut down MSG, you know, I mean, or whatnot. And so um, I think cyber is important, very important to talk about. I will say that there's already limited on the cancellation portion of insurance, the contingency portion. Um, it's limited now. Uh, so when you see insurance company carriers and syndicates start restricting the coverage language, something's happening. Uh, but there's a way around it. And, and so, you know, I'm placing, uh, uh, individual standalone cyber coverage for every artist company that I represent. And, and part of that comes with business interruption. So if you're out there performing and doing your job and they shut it all down, then you're, you're going to get paid from that business interruption part. So, um, I think it's something that if people aren't talking to you about it, learn more about it. Um, ways a lot of times people think cyber is um, um, uh, only uh, electronic intrusion, but it's actually uh, physical papers too. So, you know, say that you're on the road and you talk about HR, you know, we don't have one, but everybody runs around with papers and, you know, a bunch of employee files get out. You know, I mean, that that, that triggers a cyber loss. Um, so there's much more to it. There's a lot, I think, to talk about it. Um, let's hope it doesn't happen. Um, people have said that it's the other C. We had COVID, now they've got cyber. And, um, we'll see. Let's just, let's just pray that we can not go through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brent, you've been a fantastic guest. We appreciate your time. We'll get you out of here real quick. Our quick hits, your first tour, and you can say if you were on it, if you went to it, if you insured it, what was your first tour? So, Hootie and the Blowfish and or Everclear. Wow. Okay. Everclear, that's an old name. (laughs) All right, all right. A A favorite moment. What do you got? Uh, favorite moment. Uh, I, I'd never heard of the bleachers. And I was down on the farm in 2015 at Bonnaroo. And somebody said, God, you got to go see the bleachers and this dude, Jack Antonoff. And he was in a small tent. It was 110 degrees and probably a 210% uh, percent humidity. Mm-hmm. And people were passing out. And I've never, I saw, so I go back, back behind the stage of sitting there and I've never seen, I've, it just, I can hear a bleacher song. It takes me back to that moment. When you hear that, you know, his, 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 um, electronic, like intros Jack does. And it, it, 
he was so hot. Everybody was so hot. The crowd was hot. They ended up bringing in a fire hose, hosing everybody down. There were security was throwing waters to everybody. But it was just this moment. And I didn't want to go. I was actually kind of hung over from the night before. Uh, and so I was really dreading it because it's like, I'm mean, like, I puke out here. Uh, but I was so glad I got that experience. And it was amazing. So, yeah. That's a good one. Jack Ananoff from Bleachers, post fun. Before he became the super producer to Taylor Swift oh, and man, others. Right. That's cool. Okay. He's just like brilliant. That. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. Second to last. One thing about the industry you'd like to see us doing better moving forward. What is it? Um, I think everybody has to do a better job at working together. Um, I think you take. You know, if you look at us, I mean, you look at the, the, the production, the crew, then you look at the management, and then you look at the agent, and then you look at the promoter, and then you look at the insurance aspect. Like, so many times they just aren't in sync. They're not, not in sync, but they're just not communicating well. And I think <laughs> if, this is taught, if this has taught us anything... It's like we need to communicate more and come together as one force and say, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. So I think I think it's always been a, you know, um, nobody wants to talk about it, you know, but I think even the artists themselves are ready to have these discussions and they want to be involved with them in them. Your, your lips to God's ears, as they say. I love that answer. We appreciate you. Get you out of, out of here on this. A softball. Any shout-outs? Man, uh, you know what? My team, uh, they're great. My company here, they're great. Uh, I couldn't do without them. And that's it. Um, clients, obviously, I wouldn't be sitting in the office, but they have those, so... Everybody needs to start touring, <laughs> touring again. Uh, I've got to pay for that school that's doing all those COVID precautions. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brent, we appreciate you being with us today and parting your wisdom. Thank you so much. Dallas, any shout outs from you? Yeah, to all our touring brothers and sisters who are still sitting at home. Carry on, stay, wait for the light. It's happening eventually. It's coming. There it's it coming. is. Thanks. Hey, uh, say if anybody's looking for an outlet, F1 starts this weekend. I'm excited as hell. I've Where? been a big fan for years. I know everybody's played an F1 uh, concert, all yes. these great places. That's the, the most best. amazing event. Singapore. So, yes. Nice. That's yeah, my favorite. Dude, Abu Dhabi, yes. Bahrain. So, Bahrain kicks off this Friday. Ooh. You know, I'm excited. If you haven't watched Drive to Survive, it's a great outlet if you're looking for something to escape from we got three seasons so do that check it out get involved it's fun a lot of us are into it we chat about it often <laughs> I like that. my shout out today goes to christina rains from headcount i realize as we're doing this podcast and we see each other i'm wearing a shirt that she gave me that says vote and yes. to brent's point earlier about the need for the nitwits on Washington to have some fucking clue about what it is we do. That starts with us voting for and lobbying the candidates to make them aware of who we are and what we do and why we need this representation. So get out and vote. 
Christina, I appreciate you. And uh, to all our listeners, to all our guests, past and present, to everyone out there, we look forward to seeing you on the road again soon. But keep coming back to us every Tuesday. We drop another episode and we're having a blast. We appreciate you. Thank you everyone for hopping on the bus with us today. And on that note, I'm just going to say thank you all and good night. Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast. And sign up for our mailing list by going to hustlelikeyoubroke.com slash join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the music industry. Thanks for listening.